Hey everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to episode 21 of Backstory Sessions. So we have finally made it, Matt. I'm joined today, of course, by you, my co-host. Hello everyone, how are you? So what do you think about that 21 episodes? Are you sure? I thought it was 22. I, I'm like well, really confused about the episode number. <laughs> I, I, well, it's confusing because we uh, did a podcast for Swiss. We were the guest, and that kind of threw off the numbers because um, that would have been t- episode 20. And then, you know, so we had to do another one that we were actually hosting. And you know, so that became 20. <laughs> you know what I so. think it was? I think it was the. Uh, the one with the playwrights i was going to split that into two and uh i ended up putting it all into one so that kind of screwed me up i think yeah leave it to the playwrights to mess up everything um (laughs) well anyways i remember saying last week we might have to drink this week because this is episode 21 and the way we're starting out we may have to so um (laughs) you know uh it is exciting however uh, to make it to episode 21 and um i'm glad that or 20 we haven't or yes or 22 but it's really 21 <laughs> it's really 21 um so we have a really interesting backstory today that leads in and sort of shapes the episode and um normally we talk of course about something that we're writing or have written Uh, or some creative project. Um, But this connection that we have to today's episode is actually a podcast that we were guests on. Do you remember that? I do. I remember it well. It's one of my my more favorite ones. Well, mine too. Um, You know, he was actually like a really, a really interesting um, podcaster. And I had an, uh, a unique name, I thought, and um, really good intro music. So it was a guy, a car, and a podcast. And, um, and his you know, that name caught is... my attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we were guests on that. And um, it, seems, it seems like a really long time ago. And I can't really, in my mind, know if it was one year ago or do you i mean no, like time i'm a little unprepared for that question so i will... <laughs> <laughs> well as am i but um <laughs> you know i i think the the main thing is that um you know we were on the podcast and it was really interesting and uh, we we remember a lot about it we yes I, I can <laughs> confirm that we were indeed on the podcast <laughs> Yes. And so uh, we are also, I think it's kind of cool that um, Tuesday, this is going to air, of course, on Sunday, but Tuesday uh, will be two years since we met. Um, That's you and I met. Um, So, you know, I I think in some ways, because that seems like so much longer than two years. Yeah, um, (laughs) it does. (laughs) It, it kind of, you know, throws off the time continuum. But at any rate, I want to introduce our guest and um, just start letting the audience see what a really great conversationalist he is. So today, I'm so excited that 
we have Adam Blaylock with us from Mesa, Arizona. And Adam, welcome to Backstory Sessions. It's so good to have you here. It's a privilege to be here. That, that was a really lovely um, intro. And I looked it up while you were talking. It was July 11th. 2019. That, All right. That, that wow. Your, like, show on my podcast aired. <laughs> wow. See, I knew he had the answer because he is so more prepared than we are. All right, thanks Negative. For, no, not at all. <laughs> thanks for saving us. Which, yeah, I know. Which, all right. So, Adam, what number podcast are you on? Oh, wow. 135, I think, it was about this week, or maybe 136, something like that. Wow. That's wow. Awesome. Yeah. So what got you interested in podcasting? Because I have a lot of questions about uh, what I was reading. So it wasn't originally called a guy card in a podcast, right? Correct. Um, I mean, uh, in that, I guess there's two questions in there. What really got me into podcasting is being a fan of it. Um, I've been listening since... I don't know, uh, like Kevin Smith and Ricky Gervais got into it like 10 some odd years ago. And it was back before there was like apps and stuff where you literally had to go to a website on a computer and like just <laughs> listen to these pre-recorded uh, conversations and stuff. And then, you know, Joe Rogan and, and obviously just the whole beginnings of podcasting eventually just turned into, you know, the insane plethora of podcasts that exist now. But um, I'd, I'd always been into it enough that I was like, it'd be really cool to, to be in this universe. And I, I, I guess I had enough ego to consider myself as being interesting. And I felt like I knew interesting people and we would have like really fun or funny conversations. And I just, it was almost like my life was so cool in the, in the bands I was in and just all the stuff that I was doing. I'm like, there's gotta be a way to capture this and to share it with people, to let people just kind of be in on the the coolness of my life experiences. And then over time, I, I did a couple episodes with a band I was in a long time ago called The Afterlight. We called it The Aftercast. We didn't get past two episodes, but they're up in like Podbean somewhere. And then to, to answer the, the second part of your question, um, at the end of 2017, I'd actually just kind of gone through a, a big life change. A, a relationship ended. It was really hard space for me and I sat down with a friend of mine Chelsea Reader and we were just I don't know just, we just we, we have a really good hang when we're together and so we just were like four hours into like dinner and just hanging out one night and one of us made a joke about we should start a podcast and <laughs> I just took it seriously and I called her up a couple days later or something I was like so about that podcast and she's like wait what and then um a few days after that like i had her in the car next to me and we went on a drive and had a talk and i mean the show didn't even have a title for the first like three episodes because we just drive around and talk and then we got talking to it on the show uh, or talking about it and she reached out to some friends and somebody had mentioned a girl a guy in a car so the show became that and then like 19 episodes in as much fun as we were having she just messaged me at one point she's like i love you and i love talking with you but I don't think I want to like be a podcaster. I don't, I don't think this is a long-term thing for me. So after that ended, I was just basically like trying to figure out how to stay in it because I was too insecure to just go solo. So at some point I sat down with two of my like longest friends and we just BS'd for a couple of hours. And we did that twice. And it actually turned into a separate podcast called Jagasses that went for like 12 episodes. <laughs> but after sitting down and talking with them, 
I just, I guess I just got it in my head that I'm like, this could work. And that's when I converted it to a guy I call on a podcast where I would just use my drive home from work to just talk about whatever was on my mind for like 20 or 30 minutes. And I do that like basically every day after work. And then I edit the whole thing into a, you know, two plus hour episode and I just post that once a week. So then that went for a while. And then, um, I got starting to think like if I could do interviews and so I'd start talking to some of my more interesting friends and then I pulled them in and then I don't know the show just like it to be honest with you it became something more than I think I thought I could do because initially it was just me talking to people that I thought were interesting and having what I thought were interesting conversations and then as far as meeting you guys like I I think it was like an Instagram ad or something like that. Something that was saying like, uh, you know, are you, do you, are you need a podcast guest or something? And it like showed me this website. So I get on the website and sign up and just, you know, say, Hey, you know, send me something. And then I end up getting just this whole list of people that are interested in like, you know, being a guest on a podcast of which you and Matt were one. And I ended up doing this thing that I called the, um, the powder keg sessions because like, to me, it was like I lit a fuse on this thing that I didn't understand what it was. And then all of a sudden I had easily like eight months worth of episodes of just a whole bunch of people that I'd never met, actors and uh, musicians and comedians and just all this stuff. So from then it was like, wow, what can I do? And then then I got like ballsy and I started thinking about people that I'd really want to talk to and then ended up landing like Tomas Costanza. and people that maybe nobody else cares about, but they're heroes of mine. And it got to a point where it was like, wow, like if I, if I swing hard enough, the fact that I have a podcast sets me up to like be able to do things or have conversations that nobody else maybe could or would. And so now I'm in this weird phase, 130 some odd episodes in where I'm kind of just curious what it can be. So I'm always just kind of, you know, putting, feelers out there and just trying to figure out how how high I can go you know well and in the process of your podcast you also uh, were making a film right another thing where it's like wow I didn't know you could do this podcast and maybe technically you can't because I don't know if you know technically speaking you could call what I did was a film but yeah at some point I I mean the basic um, genesis of that idea was I, I, I served a, a Mormon mission as a young man, as a, as a young 20-year-old man. And it's not uncommon for people who serve a mission to come home after that experience and then find a way to go back and, like, just revisit, you know, the stomping grounds and revisit people that they served around and, and you know, that they grew to love and what have you. And for, for some weird reason, like, I just didn't. And it's not like I didn't talk about it, but I just never saved the money I just never did it never made the time never went back and then I ended up having an old companion reach out to me like at the end of 2018 I guess um and he and I had had like a really colorful companionship like it was not what you would think missionary life is supposed to look like and I mean both of us have actually been out for well over a year so the fact that things happened the way they did was really kind of not okay like we really the, the the wheels came off while we were together and it was something that we'd never really talked about so both of us you know went home and 
went about our lives and just sort of always had this weird like emotional weight around our our necks and then he reached out to me and basically let me know that he'd recently I don't know kind of just cleaned up his act and got back involved with the church and um was just in a really good spot and then went on to tell me like how sorry he was for you know his role and all that stuff and you know it was just a really cathartic conversation and it was after that that I thought you know now's a good time to go back because of that conversation because now I have I don't know sort of a fresher or a I don't know, just a more healed view of spending that two years of my life going out and mm-hmm. talking to people because of that conversation. And then that snowballed into, well, if I'm going to, you know, spend the money and the time to go on this trip, why don't I use the podcast to sit down with some people along the way and have conversations that I think people would benefit from? And then I scheduled a bunch of podcasts along the way. And then I just thought, why not take a camera? And like to shoot the whole thing and maybe I can make a movie. I mean, I love movies and I've always, I don't know, just thought it would be cool to like direct something, but I just never had any idea that I guess was um, doable enough where I thought I could do it. And then from the minute that that like, you know, light bulb went on or that spark of an idea came out, I just got like obsessed with it. And then I just did everything I could to make it happen. And now, you know, all that time later, like back to the Berg is a film that I shot about both going back to Pittsburgh and going back to all these apartments that I lived in and just shooting, you know, my experience of living in the Western third of Pennsylvania for two years, but also being able to sit down with people to not only just talk about what is it like on the inside to be a Mormon missionary, but also to sit down with this guy and have a really beautiful, vulnerable conversation about how hard it was and how, aggressively those wheels came off and and to be able to just kind of um purge ourselves of i mean in a religious sense kind of a sin that we both were like carrying around all these years to just sort of like i don't know squeeze out the pus and just really heal and so it was kind of really interesting to like a whole bunch of things came together at one point my podcast turned into a production space to make a movie and i got to revisit this time in my life that I, it, it had been like hanging over me like a dark cloud and and cure it or heal it and let like a more beautiful light come through. And I mean, something that's really honestly hard for me to do on my podcast a lot to kind of share some of my spirituality with, you know, anybody that might care, anybody that might have watched the film, like to open up about that part of myself because I'm so rock and roll and I'm so you know, badass. And obviously a lot of my um, podcast episodes are explicit because I just get into these really off the rails conversations with people, both for comedic effect. And because I think there's a lot of interesting emotions out there, but this was a space for me to kind of go the other way and show people, you know, a a different part of myself. And I did watch it. Um, So I did get to see that side of you. And I, I really thought that was quite interesting. And I guess I wondered, like, uh, now that, like, once you finished it, um, you know, how did your perspective change uh, from before you started the project? In reference to the film itself, um, it was actually, like, a high-stress week and a half for me, like, from the minute that I 
left that morning to go to work and I, I was I literally just started shooting everything that I thought would be useful in a film. I just I did like I imagine that a lot of documentarians sit down and kind of map out what it is that they're trying to say so they have an idea of where to go and what to do. With me, I had like certain cinema cinematic visions of stuff that I would want to capture. And I think I did most, if not all of that. But as far as a narrative, because of what I was doing, where I was sitting down and having podcast conversations with different people. And because as you noticed from when we did a podcast together, like, I mean, maybe there's things that we want to get to subject wise, but for the most part, we just had an organic conversation. Right. Part of the problem was I didn't know what story I was going to be able to tell by what I was capturing out there. So I literally just shot like a madman for a week and a half and then came home with like 400 gigs of video and then was in an editing bay. Like, where's the story? Which was kind of the, I don't know, the stressful part of it, you know? When I like pulled up video from sitting in Temple Square in Salt Lake trying to explain the Joseph Smith story. And the one thing I didn't think about that I'm now dealing with in the editing space is that was a windy day. And I'm shooting on an iPod, and the, the audio was garbage. And I was like, well, can't fly back there and redo that. And it was, it was stuff like that, where I was like, how do I make a film out of what I captured? So um, on the film end, it was hard. And to be honest with you, I'm still really insecure about the final product, because I think I was a little too pretentious about it. I think I was too precious with it, and I put too much in. And it's almost four hours long, and I think it just drags. So in that sense... I'm I'm glad I got a film out there and I, I think I could do it better later, but that, that one was kind of war on me, but on the other end of it, as far as um, I guess my feelings about the content that I got, um, I think I'm really proud of it because I didn't expect some of what came out to come out. For example, at the very end of the movie, after me and Seth have a very cathartic conversation, I end up cutting back to a conversation that I had with Sarity and she, she talks so vulnerably about the expectations that a self-proclaimed righteous person puts on themselves to be righteous. And I was so kind of captivated by how trusting she was of me to put that out there and it ended up being just an interesting cap to everything Seth and I had just been talking about as far as like the other end like us dealing with being kind of pieces of garbage in our own <laughs> estimation but sort of finding God's love for us anyway versus she was like I don't think I'm a piece of garbage and I'm and I'm trying hard to do everything right and here's how that I don't know makes me sort of doubt myself in different ways and so it, as much as I wish I didn't put people through a four-hour film, I'm really proud of the content of that film and just the way it tells the story about being a person of faith. I feel like you can watch that film and be Muslim or be Buddhist or be Catholic or anything, and I think it, I think it finds a way to grab you, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think so too, and I was, of course, that's not my religious background, but I was, as I was watching it, um, you know, I thought it was very compelling 
to see um, how it all unfolded for the different people or characters, um, which were actual people. So it's it's kind of a documentary, I guess. Um, I think so. I've, I've been arrogant enough to call it a podcast documentary and to call it like a new genre in cinema, but I, there's, I'm sure other people have done things similar. So. <laughs> Uh, so, I, Matt, there is a good place for you to hop into the conversation because, you know, Pittsburgh, you have some connection to there. Um, I do, yeah. My son was living there for a couple of years, and I spent uh, uh, quite a few weekends um, driving for Uber there, actually. Wow. That's kind of interesting. I started on New Year's Eve of all times. Of what year? Um, I want to say it was last year. Uh, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Pretty... Out of curiosity, from my own driving experience in Pittsburgh, was like the the GPS experience of getting around Pittsburgh a nightmare? Because the road systems there are the worst that have ever been made. Yes. There were a few, uh, a few instances where it was telling me to turn, and there were like three turns, like one right <laughs> after the other. <laughs> Yeah, like you have to go across the bridge, but if you take the wrong uh-huh. one, you end up under yeah. the bridge. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like I, somebody just like boiled a pot of spaghetti and then just picked it up and threw it on a piece of paper and like build a city that looks like that. That's, yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh is just insane. It's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, for sure. So, so uh, <laughs> you got into podcasting and um, yeah, did you? I mean. How confident were you in, like, getting started? I know you said you were, you know, you struggled with it, but, like, is it something that you wanted to do? Like, you knew you, you, knew you wanted to do it and you were going to do no matter what kind of thing? Or did you struggle with, like, how to get started and stuff? That's a really good question because, to be honest with you, even my method of dis- distribution has changed wildly since I started. So yes, when I started, problem number one was hosting. Like, how do I host this thing with little to no cost, which doesn't happen. Like you gotta, at least back then, like there was, um, there, there wasn't any platform as far as holding, you know, dozens and dozens to hundreds of episodes. Nobody was going to do it for you for free. So outside of just the insecurity of making a product and putting it out there where people could listen to it or even worse, not listen to it. Um, yes, I was really insecure about it, which is why a girl, a guy in a car was so convenient for me because I think Chelsea is a content machine. Yeah. Like she can just talk comfortably about anything. So then all I really have to do is react, but I'm also arrogant enough that I, I have a lot to say about life and stuff. So it just felt like a good match. And when she um, left the show, Honestly, I probably laid around for like two months without doing anything because I just wasn't secure enough to just turn a mic on with nobody else around and just talk. Um, So, I mean, it was nice to have those two episodes with my buddies. And then, you know, I just at some point, I guess to answer your question, I had to make a decision. Do you want to do this or don't you? And I was like, yes. I was like, okay, then just do it. Stop waiting for someone else to make this easy on you. Just dive in. And, yeah. and I guess what I learned from that long term, outside of, again, um, all the little decisions, like even the recording thing where it's like, OK, what how 
how are you going to capture what you're doing? Are you going to sit in a room somewhere and build a little studio, whatever? So the, the idea of doing it in a car while I was driving, I thought was unique enough mm-hmm. that it would earn the forgiveness of the crowd from the background noise <laughs> where you just got to like, get, get the white noise of like a car running in the background. Right, yeah. um, and I like to think that that actually worked. However, I guess what I learned is the benefit of me just moving forward and doing it, even though it was uncomfortable for me is what led me to get access to what I really wanted to do, which is talk to people. And that's when the interviews started coming. And then the documentary, although I love it for what it is, one of the things that I most love the documentary for is it got me off my butt on the video end of podcasting. So then from the couple of interviews just before I left to do the podcast to basically every physical interview I've done since then all have a video aspect to it because from that time forward, I always brought the camera to shoot it so now there's like this fully stocked youtube channel with all this fun stuff on there and i'm also really proud of that and i think it's it's like it's another um you know like 1d versus 2d versus 3d versus 4d like it's another dimension of enjoying the conversation to be able to see the two people talking and like, you know, just watch the body language and watch all the fun stuff. I really enjoy that. A lot of the bigger podcasts have, um, you know, they still do the audio feed, but they have like a YouTube channel with, you know, high quality video of it. So I'm, right. I'm glad to be in that sphere as far as all that goes. But as far as hosting it, yeah, I started on SoundCloud and it was only like $15 a month or something like that. And then at some point, SoundCloud got into this like beta thing where where they would like let you onto Spotify, which is a big deal for me. And so I went through this whole rigmarole trying to figure out how to do that. And then I did it and was really happy and proud about that. And then within months of that, like this, uh, this comedian, I like Neil Brennan started a podcast and his only sponsor was anchor the website that he used to host his podcast that also offered like sponsorship and would put you everywhere all on their own. And from that moment, I'm like, I'd been doing it for, I don't know, a year, year and a half at that point. I was just like, thanks, Neil, for <laughs> waiting so long to start a podcast because <laughs> this is what I needed. And that's when it was the whole process of, like, switching over. And, and now I'm, like, sponsored. So you hear, like, ads in my podcast now because now I have that. So, you know, just there's a lot of, like, yeah things to learn and bumps in the road and good things that happen. It's just it's a process. Right. So I guess your your advice to someone who's thinking about starting a podcast is just to jump in and do it. <laughs> Nike, 100 percent. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the thing you'll learn what what you'll need to know about how to do it can only be found when doing it, which seems counterintuitive. But that's the truth. Yeah. If you want to if you want to do something, start doing it. Do it the best you know how with with the tools you have right now. And the universe will pave a way. It'll it'll show you how to do it better, and that's good. I think. Yeah, good advice, definitely. So, uh, do you have like uh, favorite episodes or least favorite episodes? I mean, the Matt and Matt and Cat episode, hands down, favorite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I actually really did enjoy it. You were actually one of my first interviews, to be honest. So. Part, I guess, what I would be curious about is just what any memories you have of, of whether or not it even sounded green because I hadn't 
I would say again outside of friends and people that I knew and was comfortable with. I would say that no, I didn't know it was your, you know, it was one of your first interviews. Um, I think you did a really good job. That's good to know. Thank you. Um, But I guess to be fair or to provide you, I guess, some better stories. um, There's an episode with a guy named Tomas Costanza. He's a producer, um, a songwriter, but he was the singer and guitar player of this band called Diffuser Mm -hmm. that I happened across in my early 20s at like a gig they were opening for a band called the toadies so there's this really big band in the 90s and stuff and this band diffuser just blew my face off and then i just as like a swap meet or something i happened across their album weirdly and bought it and just fell in love so they've they've always been like musically a huge influence for me and then just just the weirdest uh order of events like i was in this band called the heartless and we were trying to you know make a good album and then go on tour and all this stuff this was back in like probably 2012 and through social media i think it was through like myspace or something this lady reached out and was like hey i really like your material i just think it needs some work you should call this guy and she gave me the number of this dude named tomas costanza now at the time i just didn't i don't think i knew his name or something like i didn't connect the two and i talked to him about our band and then weirdly, it just came to my attention who he was. And then I was just trying hard not to geek out over yeah. the stuff. But as it turned out, we didn't work with him because it was too expensive. But years later, I ended up starting following him on Instagram and stuff like that. And one of the other interviews that I did around the time I interviewed you guys was Darren Paltrowitz. He's a journalist. He works for a lot of different uh, websites and um, music and kind of pop culture um, periodicals and stuff. Right. And... I don't remember how we connected on this, but maybe it was during the interview. I think I brought up Diffuser and he was like, oh, I know Tomas. And I was like, really? (laughs) So we had this whole geek out conversation about that. And then I would start commenting on Tomas's stuff. And then at one time I just suggested that he should be on the podcast. He's like, yeah, I'll totally do it. So I started like DMing him, but I just, I wasn't getting very far. Like it just, I wasn't getting, um, I don't know, I guess like hardy enough responses for me to really move forward. And I was trying to, you know, um, I don't know, guess be respectful. And I, I, I guess I was putting him on too much of a pedestal. But yeah. at some point I talked to Darren about it because I was like, yeah, I've been trying to get Tomas on the freaking podcast. And he was basically just like, you tell Tomas that Darren Paltrowitz <laughs> says to, to stop and to like to, to, to set up a time with you and stuff. Because apparently he and Tomas are like good friends and I didn't know this, like. So, um, Darren, I, I guess to answer your question about just where the, I don't know, the, the, the wires cross in the most interesting ways, the Darren connection gave me the in that I needed with Tomas for him to actually like, you know, buckle down and set something up with me. Right. At which point we ended up having this podcast conversation that even he said at the very end of it, he's like, you know, people have been asking me for years to tell diffuser stories. And he's like, it's just it was kind of a hard time for me. So I don't, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm really glad we did this. Cause this is like one place that now if anybody ever asked, I'm like, go listen to that podcast because it was all there. Huh. And so it was just kind of such a bizarre privilege to like my little weird podcast. that no one's ever heard of to be the place where yeah. this guy told a story that just needed to be told, you know? So I, that would be one of my favorites. Um, another one, there's this actor named Greg Audino. 
he's actually done a lot of stuff, but it's been kind of here and there. So I don't think anybody like really, really knows who he is. Mm-hmm. But it's my favorite because we did a podcast over the phone. We talked for like an hour and a half. It was an amazing conversation. And as soon as like we hung up and I hit end, the the service that I was using hadn't captured it. Oh no. And I was like <laughs> mortified. <laughs> and I texted him right away and I'm like, I'm just so sorry to do this to you, but like it didn't capture it. And I'm not saying we gotta do it like right now, but is there any chance? And he was so sweet. He was like, Of course, no problem. So like three months later we did it again. And even during the episode we joke about it, how like we, we kinda had to cover some of the same ground, but yeah. it was really sweet and I, I love that that episode exists. That, that's cool. Uh, we had uh, an issue one time and uh, had to record, re-record a part of uh, uh, the beginning of an episode, and uh, one of our yeah. guests wasn't happy about that. But uh, you know, <laughs> you want to be on the podcast, you know, suck it up, buddy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but we also were guests on one that we had to uh, record three times. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, we weird. were with it i mean <laughs> what was the other one we did cat where uh it was recently we had to um interview each other <laughs> yes so um you know he he like um we knew it was going to be a 30 minute uh, podcast and um he told us ahead of time you know that i was going to ask matt questions about play and he was going to ask me questions about the book uh, or vice versa. I forget. But at any rate, um, so we get on there um, and the, this little thing keeps popping up, like, you know, telling us how much time we have left. So, of course, I mean, he hasn't said anything. And so Matt and I just keep talking. And we think like that's our cue to, you know, <laughs> keep talking until that is like, you know, our time is up. Mm-hmm. So then when our time, you know, gets up, he's like, well, I was going to ask you all some questions, but we don't have any time left. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, so that's not what that meant then. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, that's funny. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, you could interview yourself if you'd like, and we'll <laughs> let you know when the clock is done. I mean, it's really funny. Like, this is one of the first podcasts, probably the first podcast I've ever been on, like a guest on. And I'm, I'm even, I'm noticing that my, my host editor, if that makes sense, like the thing inside of my brain, that's trying to keep the conversation moving, but also making sure that I can hear when it's over. Like I can hear when we've just kind of got all we're going to get and then just kind of have like a smooth transition out Man. as I'm talking and telling you these different stories or sharing these things with you. I'm very conscious of the fact that it's like, are, are you just talking too much? Cause like there are <laughs> other people that are supposed to be talking and you know, trying fine. to keep things as concise as I can. No, it's <laughs> fine. I'm used to uh, people not being concise, right? Cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we we don't stand on any type of like, oh, you you got five minutes, that kind of thing. So yeah, whatever. No, and uh, you know, normally most of the times that we've been guests, um, you know, the podcaster has the host has told us ahead of time like uh, sort of what to expect if there's certain questions or whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, like, and, and like we, we did up... with you, Adam. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know, then we were we we were on another one where um, the guy really. I mean, he just all of a sudden like we answered a question and he was like, "That's you know the end, thank you." And I mean, so I don't think it ever aired or anything. I mean, I guess we were oh, not nice. like a fit or something. I don't know what. I mean, it was the most bizarre thing. He w- it was just like. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes you feel like a failure in a way, but um. You know, to be honest I, with you, I think like your interview specifically, or ones that happened around the time of your interview. Part of what I'm proudest of them about is that it gave me a space to just kick the doors off, like kick the walls off of what I thought this podcast should be, and open it up to just whatever comes any people any stories any anything which to me like um big picture has been really freeing to just talk to anybody yeah yeah I find about anything too. which yeah. i think is what podcasting is i don't think it's me i'm a musician and now a filmmaker and now a podcaster i should only talk to people of similar ilk i mean that's dumb i don't know like my brother's an author and i have i don't know i, ha- I like i I have the ability to connect to people across mediums, so why not? Yeah, including we, you guys, a playwright. I mean, that's that's a whole. Um, yeah, I we, don't know. That's well, a whole like we neighborhood are... that I'm so fascinated with. <laughs> well, you've already said the playwrights messed up the episode count. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually authors now as well. We, Which uh... is. Is I I know when we talked last, Unstoppable by Design was headed to bookstores. Has there been anything since then, or are we still riding yeah. on the wave of that? So uh, yeah, that kind of changed. Yeah, there, yeah, we had a little little. Uh, so um, we were we had written Unstoppable, and it was largely done. And uh, then we wrote a bunch of plays. And when I went back to Unstoppable, I didn't like the direction that it went in. So I decided to change it. And um, so while I was trying to decide or while we were kicking around ideas, uh, we had talked about writing another book uh, based on some stories about uh, Kat's mother and the place that she lived and, you know, some of the weird happenings that went on there. So... uh, I I didn't know what that was going to be, but I wrote the first chapter and sent it off to Kat, and she liked it and encouraged me to write more. So uh, I ended up writing that book, and uh, (laughs) so that one was closer to being done than Unstoppable, so that's how first. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. And it's called Love and Jello. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Love and Jello. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty interesting book. I, you know, we'll we'll send you a copy if you'd like to read it. Please do. When did it come out? What uh, like month and year? I think um, July. Was it July? This, I was it. Yeah, we're um, really bad with dates. Holy crap. <laughs> we, we, I think it was July of this year. Um, at least. At least the the, the um, proof copy and so forth. So I mean, oh right, it's yeah, just, yeah. So it, um, it hit Amazon in October. So that's what it's like screwing me up. Oh okay, also pretty pretty fresh then. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's really. I just... mean, has 
has the industry responded to all of the lockdown with any kind of like um a different kind of a book tour like do they i don't know do they just use podcasting as a way to do that now is there some other way of getting the word out about something like that we don't know we self-publish so it's just oh, you know okay. it's just out there <laughs> like yeah. uh nobody's beating down the door but we have gotten lots of good reviews and lots of people think it should be a movie or at least a hallmark movie or series or something so we're going to explore some of that coming up i get the feeling like that's going to happen for you two at some point because we talked about that with unstoppable too that you were looking at uh, making a movie out of it so one of these is definitely going to blossom into a, a yeah film. yeah hopefully i mean we've got a lot of ideas and uh you know we've written a lot of things and um it's been interesting for sure so hopefully something will come of one one of them but if not you know it is what it is so we're having yeah. fun doing it so do you have a least favorite episode i mean everybody's got some that you you <laughs> listen back on and you go oh god <laughs> the answer to that is intensely self-deprecating but i would say almost every solo episode of which there are dozens <laughs> i i don't uh i don't know i'm not super confident with my ramblings so yeah the solo episodes are are my way at least up to now of just trying to keep the podcast going right. so that i can hopefully like land another guest and then do what i actually want to do rather than just talk to the wall so when you have guests um is there like some pet peeve that you have that some guests do that you would really wish they would not <laughs> i uh I, I was actually just complaining to my girlfriend about this recently and um as, as much as i'm never really hesitant to say anything like it's the one thing i wouldn't want somebody to feel bad about but since you've asked i'll just say it sure um it floors me how few guests share their episode on social media ah okay good to know in, in the sense that i have to assume the whole reason you came on the podcast anyway is just for attention because that's what we're all doing right we're all attention. why whores. wouldn't you want people <laughs> to know this thing exists to go just drink you up and yet i'd say i mean easily probably 80% of the interviews that I've done have never been spread on social media outside of me and my pages. Huh. I guess they, I guess when people are on your podcast, they just assume you'll do all the, you know, marketing of it and that kind of thing. So, which yeah. definitely happens. However, like the way at least Instagram and some of the more popular forums work, if I tag you in the post, it doesn't go to all your followers and say, come check out this tag post right, like yeah. it would maybe on Facebook or something like that. Like if you follow their page. So it really like I'm not marketing for you having tagged you in it. I'm just letting my followers know that this person that they might be interested in is on my podcast. It would take you to do something <laughs> on your feed if you're going to really let people know about it. And it just blows my mind. Yeah. And I've taken it, to be honest with you personally, like I take that as them saying it wasn't that great of a conversation. I don't need to share it. And maybe that's not what they mean, but that's my insecurities. That's how I take it when they don't share yeah, it. And if I, you can imagine that happening dozens and dozens of times, it just makes me feel small. It makes me feel like 
I have a podcast that nobody should care about, which then I guess to answer your earlier question even deeper makes it real hard to keep going when it just doesn't seem like anybody gives a crap right, outside yeah. of the fact that I can see download numbers and I know exactly how few people give a crap. So it's it's a weird world to be in. Yeah, for sure. Hey, but we're in the 20% that did share our episode. You so. <laughs> did, and I loved it. <laughs> so We're um, not the unfavorite guest. Yay. You, that's right. Favorite <laughs> You're my favorite guest relationship. You guys, you guys, I can come to for anything and vice versa. I love it. So uh, I'm just curious, like, what kind of view or what kind of listenership do you have? Like, how far is your podcast going? Excellent question. Um, the the back office stats of that are both interesting and just completely like imperceptible because i really don't know what to do with it mm -hmm. back in the soundcloud days i'd say each individual episode and again back then there was a lot of interviews a lot of stuff like that so maybe it was skewed differently but back then i'd probably get like 30 listens an episode mm -hmm. maybe as high as 70 or 80 um ever since the bounce to anchor and again you know it's been the pandemic and so there's been a lot more solo episodes and a lot more of me just trying to figure out what to do with it it's it's dropped down to like 10 or less wow for most episodes some would go as high as 20 or something but i mean there's things that'll tell me that they're from like brazil or new york or different places but it's metrics that i don't know what to do with because it's not like i have their address where i can send them a thank you card like it's just yeah kind of bland soulless numbers so I don't know if this answers your question, but I don't really know like how quote unquote successful the podcast is because I don't know who's listening. I just know numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see the same things like, Oh, we're up to 800 now or 700 or whatever, you know? I mean, that's amazing. You guys are getting those numbers. I'm, I'm in the right place. I'm on your podcast now. We're, <laughs> we're in your world. Well, that's <laughs> not per episode. That's like total. So. <laughs> oh, I see what you, yeah. In that sense. I mean, when I left uh, SoundCloud, I think I'd cleared, 2000 total yeah. and within the yearish that i've been on anchor i'm already over a thousand so but that's total but i mean yeah, yeah. it's numbers yeah we'll we'll uh we'll probably hit a thousand early next year and then like you know i'm hoping 2000 by june so yeah. maybe adam's episode is gonna put us to a thousand i mean <laughs> you that's know. true it could yeah you're welcome if it does <laughs> <laughs> Ah, let's see. What other interesting tidbits can I ask you? Cat, uh, jump in here. Yeah, have you been on a podcast before um, with a certain theme um, where they they ask you, uh, you know, like maybe a really interesting question, and but they ask every guest that same question. Um. No is the short answer. I've I've only actually been on one other podcast, and it was actually a test episode of a podcast that never came out. So I, I don't know that I really count it, but it was me and and a former guest of this podcast, Eddie Press, trying to start his own podcast, and then um, actually weirdly another guest of this podcast because I roped him on later, uh, Rob Ports, and we literally just talked crap for like two hours it was really off color and just you know <laughs> us trying to be funny and us trying to be interesting and stuff so i wouldn't say there was any specific question that was really um enthralling or intriguing but um 
I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's like another way, like something else I was involved in that I could answer your question with. Is, I mean, I guess the hard part is, no, I I don't know that anybody's really taken a lot of interest in me yet to <laughs> ask me any question that was super. Um, all right, so to me, so you guys are the first, I guess. All right, so we're gonna <laughs> ask you the question that we were asked. Uh, yes, and keep in mind, like the rest of the podcast is, you know, just like this one. It's about you know, whatever things you want to talk about. And then mm -hmm. when you get to the end, Matt. Uh, the guy asked us, uh, where do you think you go when you die? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the answer to that question for me is getting trickier as I get older because I grew up with this idea, this very Mormon idea that, like, God is a person you know like us but just i don't know glorified exalted just just like a different um i don't know like like uh essence i guess than we are but that he lived somewhere out in this galaxy and that the heaven we would all return to when we died would be wherever that is and we get to live with him forever so i had this idea that there's some you know not like cloudy wings harps kind of place but just a world not too dissimilar from the one that we live on, but that isn't inhibited by all of the decay and all the, you know, corrosion and all that. Right. So I grew up that way. Um, I think the more experiences that I've had with what I call God, I think, um, I think the fact that we're in physical bodies right now and that we exist in a realm of time on a, on a carbon based earth has got us so familiar and comfortable with existing in a sphere like this, that I think it would not be possible for us to conceptualize where we're going right? Yeah. because it's a place that isn't bound by time. And it's a place that isn't bound by, you know, decay and, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, all the things that we're familiar with at the time. So I don't know that I could draw a picture for you of what it is because I, the picture is getting more and more fuzzy the older I get of what I think it is because every time I learn something new, it just seems to kind of destroy some ideal that I had about it. So actually, actually, I don't know. that's like just brain cells dying and, you know, you get older. <laughs> that's funny. That's a good point. <laughs> Kat, what did you say? I forget. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm somewhat like Adam in that, you know, I, I was raised in a, a certain, uh, like, um, uh, Christian Baptist, uh, background. I mean, that's how I grew up. So, you know, my beliefs were kind of shaped, um, based on that early on. Um, but as you know, I, I always, I, my mind has always been one that questioned things and, um, so, you know, I don't know what happens. Um, I, I mean, I want to believe because of my dad dying. And, of course, mm -hmm. now this year my mom passed away as well. And, wow. uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I want to believe that, you know, they're in heaven or this happy place and that, you know, everybody gets reunited um, but I don't know if that happens or if that's just because we want that to happen 
that we, you know, trick ourselves into believing it some way. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I'm open to the fact that something, there is something, some place, some creator, um, because I, I can't see that this is just all random um, and there's no yeah. purpose beyond the time that we spend here. So, you know, that part of me thinks there there is something um but i i don't know if it's the way that i was you know initially <laughs> believed um, you know one of the things that kind of like broke my brain about it and and to be honest a lot of the things that break my brain come from movies <laughs> but there's this ricky gervais movie called the invention of lying that i highly recommend it's a really like funny movie but it's also got some really interesting ideas to it and in essence the the backdrop of the world is that it's a world where if you can imagine that nobody lies just because nobody knows what that is like imagine advertising there's this really funny thing where like they're just watching tv and like it goes to a commercial and there's a guy standing in just this plain room in front of the table and it's got a coke on it and he's just like yeah it's pretty much sugar water so you should buy it. And that was the whole ad. And it's just funny because technically speaking, if you couldn't like lie or, you know, try to make it, you know, sexier or awesome, it's basically just sugar water. But anyway, the point is like the 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 turning point of the film is when Ricky Gervais is sitting at the deathbed of his mother. And she's terrified because she doesn't know what's coming next. And as a means of comforting her. He tells her that it's going to be okay and she's going to go to a place where everything's perfect and there's no more sorrow and there's no more illness and everyone that she's ever loved will be there. And like, he's telling her this and, and, and she's like basically slipping into death as he's saying it. And she's very like at peace. And then he looks up and the bed is surrounded by doctors and nurses that are just like, is that true? <laughs> and then the whole film rolls forward on this idea that, Ricky, as a means of trying to comfort his mother, said something that wasn't true. And then he goes about trying to figure out if that can work in different ways. And what ends up happening is he, like, weirdly becomes, like, the leader of this church or something. Because <laughs> he just, like, people keep asking him questions about what comes next. And he just starts making stuff up. And, I mean, the idea behind the movie is poking fun at religion. That, like, the whole thing may have just been invented to try to comfort somebody. And then someone bought it. And now it's just this big enterprise but i think that broke my brain in the sense of it made me it made me kind of let go of a lot of the ideals that i was that i grew up with thinking that maybe the people who told me those things have no idea what they're talking about either and so i kind of just wiped the whiteboard in a way and i was like let's start from scratch like what do we know for real and for certain and to be honest with you that question got scarier and scarier because there's not a lot of really absolute truths out there uh, interesting well, there, um, there's a psychic, which, you know, I, I don't know if you follow these things like on Facebook Live. Love it. Live, love mediums, you know. love psychics. Yeah, well, these, you know, things, different things pop up. And uh, when I can't sleep in the night, I, I like, I like watch them, whether you're selling clothes or, you know, whatever, whatever you might be doing. And so one, one was a psychic and, um, well, a medium more so than I think a psychic. Um, and, and he was talking about, you know, how you're 
you can be in touch, how your family that's passed away are in touch with you through dreams and, you know, a bunch of things. But um, one of the questions someone asked him was like, you know, if you die at a certain age and your spouse dies at another age and then you're in heaven, are you like both the same age or, you know, how does that work? And so, you know, the way he explained it, and of course his, I guess his knowledge comes from the spirits that Mm -hmm. supposedly talk to him or whatever. Um, but you know, his, his belief was that, um, you are the age that you were at your best, whatever that age Mm. is. And then you get to be that age forever. Uh, so, you know, to me, that's like, it's happy to think that that's what it is, but it's sort of Mm. like the whole thing of religion. I, I don't, like I said, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you think they're true or if they're just mm-hmm. we need them to be true because it's so it's comforting to think, you know, that you will I will get to see my parents again someday. And That's, to your point, I think I subscribe to the you know you'll be the the, uh, the 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 best healthiest you know most useful age you were as a human then just for comfort. But I also really dig the depiction in the, that Robin Williams film, What Dreams May Come, where the idea is. You could just look however you want to look. Right. And that's that, that intrigues me, that if you just, like, you know, his his daughter, how she just saw, I mean, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen that movie that's been out for like 20 years, his daughter saw his father be nice to an Asian-looking flight attendant on a flight, and, and, and as the flight attendant passed, he was just like, boy, the Asian women are the, the loveliest on the planet, and that's who she chose to look like as, like, you know, a spirit when he meets her, like after she, she looked like that because that's because of him. That's what she thought beauty was, you know, just things like that. I don't know. I I like that idea. Yeah. I guess that's better than my theory, which is, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, so I, I'm not very religious. I think I was kicked out of of a church one time for fist fighting with my brother at the age of 11 or something like that in oh, the wow. middle of a service and uh that kind of soured me on church so um yeah you know now i think if i get too close to one i'll burst into flames or something so uh <laughs> i try and you know try and stay away mm. from things like that so uh yeah. i think you might come back if you're, you know, and like what you come back as is determined by how you were in your life. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you're, you know, if you're a nice person, you might come back as a, you know, I don't know, something beautiful, like a really nice tree or something like that. And <laughs> if you're, a, you know, kind of a, kind of a shithead, you'll come back as like a rock <laughs> on the side of the road in Arizona or something. I like the idea of reincarnation a lot. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around like going from human to plants to, you know, water molecule back yeah, to yeah. bird or something. And for some reason, I don't know, it could be the Mormon in me where it's like, yeah, just like gender is eternal. Like, so is, I don't know, you're, you know, being a human or being a dog or being a whatever. But um, yeah, I have got a hard time wrapping my head around like us being conscious right now as humans and then going into something that you know arguably doesn't possess the same kind of consciousness and if that's the case like where would our consciousness go if, <laughs> if our form didn't 
have space for it or and if that's if i'm wrong about that and if trees are just as conscious as we are then that just starts a whole nother conversation yeah yeah exactly it just kind of goes in a different direction (laughs) yeah so anyway, uh, podcasting. Let's see what else can we yak about. <laughs> Got kind of off track there on religion, but that that's cool, mm. you know. Cat, <laughs> um, <laughs> what else you got? Uh, well, I'd like to talk a little bit about music because um, that's one of the things from your background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I, I can tell music is uh, very important to you. And so, you know, what are your early memories of music? How did you, did you just always love it? Um, How did that start? As an audience to it? Yes. Always loved it. Always um, was very moved by it. And, you know, without any real intentions of becoming musical or learning an instrument or, you know, becoming a performer or anything, I, I always could hear the pieces of it like all the harmonies and stuff and you know would often be caught like singing a harmony at a young age to something just because i could hear it but um so you're like three years old i mean what 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 was music like to you then well weirdly sheltered actually i think most of the music that i was hearing was probably at weekly church services and then I don't know, uh, John Denver or um, the Carpenters or I don't know. My parents had kind of a, like the Beach Boys. They had a really wholesome, I guess, kind of base of music. My memories of music as a kid were like holidays, Christmas and Bing Crosby and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I have I'm the middle of five kids. So my older siblings, you know, they got into like radio. And so then like Def Leppard and MC Hammer and just all those sort of the the sounds of like the eighties found right. their way to me. And then I spend like the first half of the nineties, just all in on country like Garth Brooks and Tim McGraw and Martina McBride and Faith Hill and you name it. Like just country to me was in such a sweet spot back then that uh, at least as far as what the radio was playing, all the, the really good stuff, the cream of the crop. I just loved it. I just sang along to it and all that. But um, as far as finding a space where, I felt like music could allow me to express something that I never been able to vocalize before. Like I I felt depression or angst or all this stuff. And just, I don't know, was in this wholesome, I don't know, kind of rigid religious environment. So I never felt like I could say anything about it. I was just kind of putting on this act of, you know, good Mormon voice. So when like grunge was introduced to me, because it happened before I found it, I didn't find it until like 96 when we moved back from California and my friends all grew out their hair and they were just like, you don't know who Nirvana is. Like it was, it was just thrust on me. And I just, it just broke my brain. And we just had these radio stations in Arizona back then that were so richly delivering to you this new alternative form of music that I just would sit in my room and just go back and forth between all these different radio stations and just drinking up Alice in Chains and Third Eye Blind and Soundgarden and Green Day and The Offspring and just just hordes of amazing bands until at some point I kind of just started buddying up to the guitar players at school and then I just got like enamored with what they were doing and then eventually like 
talk to my dad into getting me a guitar and then you just didn't see me anymore like I was just locked in my room all the time just taking the the few little chords that somebody taught me at school and like then listening to what's on the radio and trying to like figure out where that chord's at and uh, I almost like failed out of high school just getting so (laughs) addicted to guitar and then yeah that became a desire for a profession like I, I started joining bands and learning how to write music and all that. And, you know, that's a long 20 year story to tell of like the ups and downs and successes and failures and all sorts of stuff. But yes, it did lead to the point where for better or for worse, I am a musician. Yeah. I've had a, uh, probably a 45 year love hate relationship with a guitar. And, uh... <laughs> I, I have a few, and uh, every once in a while I'll pick up, you know, pick one up and play something or whatever, and a lot of the time it just sits there, so um, I guess right now yeah. I'm in a the hate stage. Uh, <laughs> at one point I decided that, well, I can play, so I'm left-handed, and I can play mm-hmm. right-handed because that's, you know, I, I didn't have a left-handed guitar, so... I decided mm-hmm. that I would switch and play left-handed. Well, that was like starting over again and the most frustrating oh, yeah. thing in the world. So, <laughs> Yeah. So now I'm like, uh, you know, I suck playing left-handed, but I can still play <laughs> the original way. <laughs> when I'm and see, like, it, it sucks that during this Christmas season, he's in the hate relationship with it because, uh, you know, I always, like, that's one thing I always ask is, like, I would love for him to play the guitar for me so mm-hmm. I can hear him play um, yeah. live, you know. Um, yeah, but... I, I was never in a band. I always played with myself. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, and to your point, Kat, like, one of the banes of my existence is that I got into guitar for a very specific reason. There's like a very specific avenue of rock that I, that got me into it. And I mean, I can play country stuff just because I love that stuff. So I would learn it too. But there are times and seasons where, yeah, people would be like, Oh, you know any Christmas songs? And I'm like, why would I know a Christmas song? Like it's just so <laughs> outside of the purview of why I got into it that, I mean, I've learned them just for giggles to like scrum along at a party, but it's so not what turns me on about guitar that I just don't, to do it you know yeah I, I wanted to be eddie van halen that's why i started playing <laughs> that's a good uh yeah yeah that didn't work a good out start aim at, for sure <laughs> i mean i can play van halen but not like you know were you impacted by his passing this year in any emotional way i mean i think when i heard about it i was because uh you know he was a, certainly a great influence on a lot of people and uh yeah uh, you know, it's sad to hear that he lost his struggle with cancer and, you know, he yeah. went through a lot and stuff. Um, but I mean, I didn't know him personally, obviously, but <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, you, when you lose an idol, I guess it's just kind of like, ah, shit, you know? And now yeah. I'm of the age where a lot of the bands that I listen to, you know, a lot of those people are getting older, like, uh, mm-hmm. You know, all the guys in the Rolling Stones and Zeppelin and things like that. Oh, yeah. all in their 70s and stuff. So <clears throat> now, like, you know, John Bon Jovi has gray hair. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Someday I'll have to tell the story about Bon Jovi and, uh, you know. Yes, because people have been waiting for that story. Yeah. Uh, We've uh, so alluded I, to it a couple of times. Yeah, I I have a connection with them, and uh, someday I'll share that. But today's not the day. But uh, <laughs> was, um, all right, well, be sure and send me that episode. Yeah, I'll hear the story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty wild. But uh, yeah, so um, go ahead, Kat. I mean, music, yeah, music. I, I I get what you're saying, like about you know not just like playing a christmas song or whatever like that on demand um but but music is really a gift too to to share i think Mm -hmm. um because like what if you didn't hear soundgarden and offspring and and nirvana and all those you know what if Mm -hmm. they never shared that music then you know, maybe you would have never made that connection that was a gift to you to express yourself and get those mm-hmm. feelings out at that time. And so, you know, I, I do think, like, if it would be meaningful for someone that you play <laughs> a song for them, you know, I'm, I kind of think that's... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the closest that I come to that is I play a lot of cover songs and as i've been doing these live streams for most of this year because of the lockdown i've just been challenging myself to learn like four or five new cover songs every single week so if you can imagine like the wow. the months and months that have gone by like it's just this ridiculous plethora of, of music to pull from that i can play but to the point of what you're saying about um being able to share music that other people love with them through your own voice all of these songs are something that means something to me. Even if it's like a Kelly Clarkson song or something like it's got a meaning to me, that's why I picked it to cover. So it's still not, so. I, there's, I don't know. Even like when I play like, um, like Sinatra's like my way or something. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, that has connection to my dad in my heart, but when I sing it, I, I don't know that I'm always thinking about him, you know, like that I, I've got a place for that song in my heart that is kind of where it gets performed from so although like christmas songs i've got i've got enough christmas spirit to sing along to them and to feel like what they're feeling i i just don't feel like the essence of my soul could express them correctly (laughs) like they're not they're just too i don't know cheery i guess <laughs> the way i see myself as a and performer. i'm dark and twisted damn it <laughs> yeah yeah i need it i need the song to have some kind of yeah some little black rain cloud in it yeah. for me to, to latch on to well you do know like if jesus wasn't born and there wasn't you know, um you know then the songs might be a little different <laughs> they might not all be cheery i mean santa claus right. You know, jolly. Everything about Christmas is, except the Grinch. Um, you know, he's not that jolly. But right. overall, like, yeah. you know, it's a pretty happy time, most mm-hmm. wonderful time of the year. Some might say. <laughs> I mean, that, when you yeah. put on Christmas music, you put on Michael Bublé, right? You wouldn't. I like. I'm not the one you're going to reach for for my brand new Christmas album. That is, <laughs> there's nothing in anybody's head to be like, oh, let's see what he has to say about this. No, because that's not what. Like my band evening the score, that's not what I do. Like it's all very nineties angst, you know, heartbreak or that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Blue Christmas, you could, you know, you could do Elvis <laughs> there, and uh... <laughs> uh, that's almost a separate problem. I'd be, too, I'd just do Elvis, and I'm like, you just want, don't listen to me, listen to Elvis, because I just, I just go into that, you know, that rich, warm voice, because it's like you don't want to hear me sing, you want to hear Elvis sing it, so I'll just mimic him. Yeah, do it as Elvis. Yeah. Well, you know, we had uh, we we did an episode about tattoos, and uh, mm. we had like we didn't know any of the, of the guests, and they were from different places, and um, you know, they they all had an Elvis tattoo, as it turns out. That's it right. Was, wow. Uh, yeah, it was weird. really really interesting. Um, <laughs> did not expect that. So. Interesting in a weird yeah. kind of way. <laughs> it's like you have one yeah. too. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, one of them even officiates weddings as Elvis. Um, oh, that's true. He does. Uh, yeah. I think he was in Vegas, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I guess the business of that is like with COVID and everything is like everything else is probably not booming. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's um, virtual just... Elvis weddings. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, all because new, baby. we often like <laughs> laugh at these things that are really not funny, and my mom's funeral certainly is not funny. I mean, it was mm. sad. Of course, it was sad. And but mm. um, she, it's kind of of a beautiful story, I think, in that um, she was in rehab, and um, the physical therapist there, he um, he looked like Elvis, and. He would do these shows for the people in nursing homes or rehab or whatever um, because they really liked Elvis. And so he, he kind of uh, developed a gig of impersonating Elvis based on that. And um, so he was my mom's physical therapist, and he kept in touch um, for the couple of months that she was really sick. And so um, he would send her, like, these little video messages like Facebook Live or whatever, um, a song dedication and he would be dressed like Elvis and, you know, he would be singing um, a song to her. And um, so when she passed away at the funeral, um, he had made a video um, because, you know, it's co I don't know how the funerals are there, but at the time my mom died, um, there was only uh, 10 people could attend um, a funeral. And, um, so everything was pretty much virtual. And so he made this video and he was impersonating Elvis singing it. And, you know, so here you are, like, you know, it's it's just so, like, if you look back on it, it's such a weird moment because it's, it's a funeral. You know, there are 10 people and, and your mom's, you know, passed away and you're at that funeral and then there's like Elvis impersonator you know singing and it's just all such a surreal <laughs> I mean it's it, you have to laugh about it because you know, it's like uh, yeah, it's it was like, like one of the peace in terrible... the valley or something you know? yeah he was singing peace in the valley and he had the little backup singers and everything oh yeah I mean yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it, but it was very sweet, uh, you know, of the of the guy to do that. And under the circumstances, you, you know, it fit because this 2020 is a crazy year. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
but you know in general that would be like something that you know if you said like oh well this impersonator you know thing at my funeral or whatever um you know it might sound a little different than it did this year yeah <laughs> uh... so there's a story for this yeah, <laughs> for yeah. um well all right anything else cat <laughs> I just said I'm so happy, Adam, that you you came to be on our podcast, and it's um, you know I think about you often. I, I sometimes go to your your page and social media, and um, you know I listen to a podcast or I listen to see what you're doing. So I, you know I've tried to keep up with you because um, definitely I, I did think that you you were one of the most enjoyable podcasts that we were ever on, and uh, that that's left like you left an impact a lot of the things that you said and so that continues for me and i just wanted you to know that and i will second that uh, i definitely enjoyed being on yours and i hope you've enjoyed being on ours <laughs> well i'll be honest with you um the hardest part of this last year has been what has felt like a real void of feedback and those those very kind things you just said now uh, were very filling to that void. So thank you for um, you know taking a chance on me that that year ago and, and letting me have you on my show and, and making it one of the better episodes that I think I've done. Uh, thank you for thinking enough of me to to come back and, and find me and let me be a part of what you're doing, which I'm excited to see where it goes and um as are we <laughs> you guys are you guys are great keep doing what you're doing i think i think this um i don't know i think this world of entertainment needs needs what you guys have so don't don't uh don't give up yeah. keep doing it Did you see like all the people that have rhyming names need to meet <laughs> and make the world better so. yeah Adam and I don't know Adam you, you've got one of those hard names I don't know Yeah, I think you're yeah, destined right. to be a solo yeah. act yeah that's true <laughs> uh, well I mean really what, what name does rhyme with Adam I don't know if anybody comes up like with orange. one you can, if anybody, <laughs> yeah that'll be our audience's uh, task for the week come up mm -hmm. with a Oh yes, them. we will. We will. We will get them on it, Adam. If there is a name, <laughs> I'm sure, we'll let you know. Sounds good. So <laughs> least we can do. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, uh, we. I think we'll uh, wrap it up here, if that's okay. Um, if y'all have any uh, questions, complaints, concerns, and especially criticisms, please contact Kat, and you can write to her at uh, iwriteplays at outlook.com. And if you right. if you have lots of nice things to say and you, know, you enjoyed this episode, you can write to me at uh, backstorysessions at gmail.com, or you can also write to me at Matt at level11ventures.com. Did I get that right, Kat? You did. Holy crap. I've been screwing it up for the last <laughs> month. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam, how can people reach out to you? 
Uh, my band, Evening the Score, all one word, and my podcast, The Guy I Call in a Podcast, are on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Back to the Berg, the film is available on YouTube, free of charge to watch on the A Guy Car in a Podcast uh, YouTube channel. And you can find A Guy Car in a Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those fun places, exactly as it sounds. Awesome. Well, again, we want to thank you for being here, and uh, we appreciate you giving up part of your Saturday afternoon and uh, talking to us. And, um Thank you guys. It was a blast. We're going to do this again very soon. Yeah, I hope we can. Um, you know, stay in touch and uh, let us know what you're up to. Will do. All right. All right. You'll be thinking of a Christmas song for me. <laughs> you got it. All right. And with that, we are done.